All right, we are live. What's splashing, everyone? You are now tuned into another episode of Siren Sundays. On this episode, we have two very special guests. The first guest that you see here with me is Amy Smith. She is the COP26 Caribbean Climate Change Policy Manager. Welcome, Amy. Hi there. Really good to see you, and thanks for inviting us on. Definitely. Very excited to have you on. And I know we will be joined by the British High Commissioner to Nassau, Sarah Dixon, a little later in the show. So all of you guys stay tuned for that. We're going to have two guests on the show today. Definitely my first mm -hmm. time having two guests and my first time having diplomatic guests. So welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. So can you tell us a bit about who you are, Amy, and the, the path that has brought you to working into climate change in the Caribbean? Sure. So, um, so my title, as you say, is a sort of Caribbean climate change policy manager, which is a fancy way of saying um, I work across 15 countries in the Caribbean. I'm based in Barbados, uh, but work really closely with the team uh, in the British High Commission in, in the Bahamas. And my role at the moment really is to make sure we're ready for COP26, which will be hosted in Glasgow in November, um, and make sure that we're listening to people and kind of uh, having a bit of, bit of a dialogue with those in the region. Um, and sort of what brought me here, well, climate diplomacy has been a, around for a while. <laughs> so I've been working off and on for about 10 years on, on climate issues. Um, it's something that I, you know, personally care about. So, you know, you see the impacts around the world when I've been on different postings. Um, and I think now we've reached a point where we, we really need to step up the action. And I think, you know, I really wanted to come out and, and work in the Caribbean as as countries that are really on the front line of climate change, you know, seeing seeing it day in, day out, you know, we've just had another hurricane in the region, you know, it's the two year anniversary of Dorian. So making sure that we bring the politics together with, you know, the reality of what's happening in, in around the world. Definitely. And you do bring such a great perspective, the fact that you've lived in the different countries. And you said earlier, you were telling me that you lived in Malta, like, right, mm -hmm. which is another yeah. island. And, and I think the island nations are the ones that are always so impacted by climate change and we have like the smallest footprint um but i do want to talk a bit about the fact that this month is adaptation and nature month can you tell us a bit about what that is sure so sort of as the uk incoming presidency for cop we obviously have a focus on reducing emissions so the kind of mitigation targets but climate change isn't just about that it's also about adapting to climate change and that's one of our goals is to make sure that there's just as much attention placed on adaptation as there is on mitigation. Mm -hmm. um, and within that, nature has a really important role to play as well. So, um, you know, I was hearing about mangroves in, in some, other, um, some other of your series, um, and they have a really important role to play, particularly in the Caribbean. So during this month, we are trying to bring a bit more attention onto the, the need to adapt, particularly in, in the Caribbean and, you know, including in the Bahamas. We have our minister, Anne-Marie Trevelyan. Um, she's our champion on adaptation and resilience, and she's in the Caribbean at the moment, as I was telling you. We're, we're sort of monitoring her flights as we speak. Um, she's just been to Trinidad and Tobago. She's been to Guyana, and she's just about to go to St. Lucia. Um, and really, that's about seeing how countries are already having to adapt. So, you know, she went to see the, the ancient seawall in Guyana, which we're having to raise because sea levels are going to rise. Um, and going to see uh, some of the projects that we've got going in St. Lucia. So we work on things like smart hospitals. So, you know, hospitals, if hurricanes hit, they're often quite vulnerable, but they're the places you really need to operate. So making sure that they're 
greener, but also able to operate, those kind of things are adapting to, you know, climate change is happening now but also we know that it's going to be even more intense in the future. So we know we'll get more kind of category five hurricanes in the future and sea level rise. Um, so it's investing the money now and investing the kind of effort now to make sure that you can adapt to that in the future. And I think that's so important because I always tell people who I speak with, and I think I've mentioned on the show a few times that humans are probably the only animals on the planet or beings on the planet that has not tried to adapt to nature, but has made nature adapt to themselves. So hearing mm -hmm. that, you know, we're not just looking at oh, ways to mitigate, we're actually trying to think about how, well, climate change is here, it's happening now, how can we adapt? And it's beautiful to hear that, you know, making smarter hospitals and even just focusing on ways to create greener spaces. And I know one of the things that you guys are working on is opportunities towards this zero carbon economy. Can you talk a bit about that? Because I know the UK has been working on getting zero carbon emissions for a while. I think you guys hit it, right? You guys are officially zero carbon? Yeah, we're, we're not zero carbon yet as the UK. So we're aiming to be by 2050. Um, and we've got a commitment to be to reduce our emissions by 78% by 2035, which actually is the most ambitious in the G20. Um, you know, and for, for a developed nation, you know, we, we love to eat red meat. We love our cars. That's actually a really big stretch. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we've made a big commitment to get there. Um, and what we're trying to do is kind of lead by example. So part of the work I've been doing is speaking to countries and saying, you know, what contribution are you going to be able to do? Because it's a little bit of everything. You know, every country needs to reduce. Um, but there's, you know, creative ways of doing it. And there's benefits to it. So just to go back to nature of um, if you look at sort of protecting coral reefs, if you look at, um, at protecting mangroves, actually, they kind of have side benefits. So, you know, fishing, for example, usually comes back if you're protecting marine areas. Um, you know, you're going to have less destruction if you're protecting mangroves. Um, and tourists like them. So you've got to increase your tourist trade. So that there's a lot of kind of side economic benefits to all of this that we're trying to, to bring out as well. So in your opinion, um, obviously from what you've seen, what are some of the things that the UK is doing that you think the Caribbean can also do? Like I know when I lived there, a lot of people rode bicycles and I don't see that happening as often, at least in the Bahamas. I know you're in Barbados, but do you think that that's like as bad as an example? What are some of the ways that Caribbean countries can, you know, or as individuals, you know, can do things to kind of lessen their own footprint? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, cycling is a good example because I've tried so hard to find a bike in Barbados <laughs> that as a petite woman, I can cycle. And it's almost impossible because people don't cycle because it's hot and people are used to their cars. But that is something, you know, short distances quite easy to jump on a bike you know totally green and really good exercise as well um so that's something you know definitely the, the the bahamas could look at doing but also electric vehicles so we've made a really big commitment to electric vehicles and the bahamas is perfect because it's shorter distances so you don't need to really worry about running out of juice because you're not going to be going very far so you just kind of charge up your car overnight and then the next day off you go um, and electric vehicles are, you know, really coming down in price. Um, the infrastructure can be there. So that's something that you can look at. And, you know, you, you don't have to pay fuel costs. <laughs> you just yeah. charge, you know, just electricity. Um, and, you know, on um, sort of electricity, 
the cost of solar panels is so much cheaper than it was 10 years ago. Um, and, you know, we're doing a lot of projects in the region and, and a lot of people are installing their own solar panels. But just getting, you know, how sunny is the Bahamas? It's beautiful. You know, so how, how much could you save if you have solar PV? Um, you know, you've got the natural resources for it. So kind of try, trying to kind of make the upfront investment and over five, 10 years, you'll get your money back. So those kind of things. Um, you know, we're really encouraging people to, to think about. Awesome. And I see that we have Sarah finally joining us. So I'm going to hop pop her on and you guys yeah, can great. talk about, <laughs> you guys can both tell us a bit about the High Commission in the Caribbean in general. And of course, the High Commissioner Sarah is based here in New Providence. Yeah, that's right. And just to answer Amy's question, it's lovely sunny day today. We've had a bit of rain <laughs> this weekend. So actually very nice today if anything i don't know what you think the shanty but i think it's a little bit humid at the moment i think you know, we're, we're expecting a bit more rain to come away yeah it's it's been very humid <laughs> the last couple months i think it's it's hot <laughs> i think we have a bit of a lag from sarah yeah i think she might have frozen well i know a lot of our viewers are very aware of the wi-fi issues in the bahamas <laughs> <laughs> so we can bear we can bear with her for a bit definitely sure which i do think um electric vehicles have been improving i know that there are a few locations here on new providence that actually have charging stations i know there's a car rental company that mm -hmm. only rents electric cars um and we do have a few car places you know selling electric cars and i think um besides just the fuel cost you don't have a lot of maintenance either you don't have to worry about oil yeah that's that's great. You don't have to worry about doing any sort of three month checkups and all that other stuff. So I, I'm personally looking to invest in an electric car very soon. It's <laughs> <laughs> good to hear. Um, we got Sarah back. No. Yeah. yeah. Can you hear me? Okay. Sorry, I'm having some connectivity problems today. My internet's out. I think this also. I don't know if you guys think this, but this could be weather related as well. Sometimes your internet just seems to kind of go. So I've got some. If you lose me, I'm really sorry. It's because of that, and that's partly why I joined late because I can't get my um my laptop to go. So you've got me on the phone. So if that maybe that's why I'm a bit of a funny picture as well. But uh, yeah, mm -hmm. it's one of those modern world problems. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I know maybe if you switch the data, that might be a bit better. I don't know if you're still on your actual Wi-Fi, um, at least with the yeah. phone. I know switching to the data helps a bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, can you hear me okay now? Because I think I might have managed to get it working. Brilliant. We can hear you okay. Your video is just lagging a bit. Okay, okay. Well, let's see how we go as we go along. Um, it's a real pleasure to be here. It's a real pleasure to talk about this subject as well. I know that in the Bahamas, climate is, you know, so important to the way we live and things that we can grow here and you know, um, the way traffic behaves. I heard you talking about electric vehicles there, and it makes such a big difference. So to be able to talk about climate issues is, is you know, is really important. And it's such a beautiful place, like I heard Amy saying as I was joining, you know, it's, um, you know, it, it's one of the most amazing things about this country is the blue of the ocean, the sands and all that kind of thing. It's just, you know, it's, and that's due to the, the climate and how the natural world behaves. So it's just, incredibly important and I've really noticed that since living here that um, you know it's incredibly um, 
well, rightly so, world famous for its natural beauty, don't you think? Definitely, that is that is one of the advantages of living here. I'm glad you're enjoying it, besides the humidity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And um, I heard you as well um, wondering about the High Commission and what the High Commission does and, you know, yeah. how we're involved in all of this. And one of the things that's true about the work that we do is, um, in fact, we focused on particularly engaging with young people and um, groups that um, that are kind of involved in the environmental side. So we're working with um, the organisation to provide virtual classroom lessons while schools are still like online schooling or whether it's running a photograph competition that young people across the islands can get involved with or um, contributing to producing a book of underwater life here in the Bahamas to encourage people from other countries to know about the beauty here. I think there's a lot of ways that us as a foreign, you know, um, British High Commission in a country like the Palmas can help um, drive a conversation around environment and climate issues. So that's definitely something that we'd like, that we'd like to do more of, because we've only been here for a very short time. We've only been reopened for um, about a year and a half now, so it's not very long. No, and, and during COVID. a pandemic. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's in the 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 cry of everyone. Everything but COVID. You know, it's we could have been but COVID. So it's it's glad to have you guys back here. I know the High Commission actually wasn't in the Bahamas for a number of years. Um, so it's good to have you guys back. Yeah, that's right. We closed um, the High Commission in two thousand and five, mm-hmm. and it was a part of. Um, a kind of general program of closing embassies and high commissions around the world. So it wasn't really Bahamas specific, but it was here that was one of the places that was chosen by the government at that time um, to, to close the high commission. And so it's been about 15 years without a high commission, which is a long time. And my experience is, um, by being here on the ground, we understand much better what the Bahamas is like and what matters to the Bahamas and what Bahamians are interested in and why something might be difficult for easy to do. And then we can work out where the link is with the UK, we can work out the link with kind of international issues as well. Particularly climate is very, it's a very global issue. It's not just, it's not just the UK and it's not just the Bahamas, even though we're both kind of island, island states. It's, it's the whole world's got to play some kind of role in this. So having a mission here and having Amy in Bridgetown talking to you so we kind of make these linkages of what's possible to do and how we might work together which I think is really really good to do and you must find that on your podcast you must find that lots of people are interested in different ways of helping I guess definitely I think connecting the country especially in the Caribbean is so important and the the British High Commission definitely is in a good position to do that with all of the um I almost said stations, all the commission um, offices around the Caribbean. But can you tell us a bit, um, Sarah, about some of the climate projects specifically being done in the Bahamas? And Amy, you can contribute to whether or not there are some maybe being done in collaboration with other Caribbean countries and the Bahamas as well? Yes, we've been looking at a variety of um, issues as we've we've kind of worked here. One thing we did in July was visit National Trust and um, you know the National Trust here has some amazing parks and we looked at planting mangroves with them to encourage other people to plant mangroves as well and part of the reason that the mangroves are so important I mean I probably don't need to say this but 
the ability of a mangrove to protect the shoreline from erosion, to create a habitat for wildlife, to capture carbon, you know, excess carbon in the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. It's just incredible. And part that um, mangroves are better than forests at doing um, carbon capture. Um, and uh, so the High Commission has been looking for a way to promote this idea of protect mangroves, keeping them clean, and then working with organizations like PMT um, uh, on, on you know, how, um, how to protect those natural spaces. It's definitely something I feel like we're learning as we go. I don't come from a country that has uh, much of a mangrove coastline. You know, we've got kind of other things going on in the UK. So I find myself learning as I visit um, national parks as well about what's important and hearing from the experts here um, is really is really a great thing. And um, uh, one of the uh, national trust workers, um, Bradley Watson, has um, yes. uh, is, is getting has won a British government scholarship, and he's going to go to the UK and study sustainable mm -hmm. development. Uh, and it, you know, that's yeah, I see Bradley on the chat. Uh, so you know, this is kind of part of the link of this global linkage that we have on climate issues is um, uh, some of this sustainable development stuff. Um, like protecting the shorelines or protecting the mangroves or working out how we have what's known as nature-based solutions to some of the climate change issues we're seeing are, are really important and you can do it on a local scale so just you know planting mangroves locally keeping your shoreline clean things like this can make a huge difference. so i suppose that's one example and i guess amy that probably linked to things that you're doing in other islands as well i guess yeah, so I sort of mentioned mangroves earlier of, you know, it's it's a big focus of ours, not only for the sort of carbon capture, and we have a, a project that we did in Trinidad and Tobago, for example, where we help them measure exactly how much carbon is being captured, because I don't think anyone had really tried to do it there before. So um, trying to kind of quantify things can be quite helpful. So you say, actually, it captures four times as much carbon as forests, and it therefore is, is always going to be a, a better use of space. Um, and then we, you know, you mentioned nature-based solutions. We, we're working, you know, ac across the region, really trying to encourage um, governments to kind of look at some of these solutions. And and actually, one of the things I found is in the Caribbean, you know this better than us. You know, you you live here. <laughs> you know, we're, we're just visiting, so you know exactly what solutions you need. And you're really passionate, particularly about things like oceans, <laughs> as as you are. Um, of how do we use some of this nature? And how to preserve some of this nature, but also, you know, one of the, our key goals for COP is how do we finance some of this? So, you know, um, one of the commitments we've made is trying to raise the hundred billion dollars uh, a year to try and put that back into solutions, not only for sort of reducing carbon, but also things like nature-based solutions, adaptation that I mentioned earlier. Um, so it's something we're we're really conscious of, and we're we're trying to make sure that people you know, locally driven projects, because you know better, but just having the finance available for that is, is one of our big priorities for, for November. It's definitely exciting. Um, can you actually, whether it be you or Sarah, tell us a bit about what COP26 is? I know, again, we always throw these terms around and I think the conservation and environmental sector is famous for acronyms. <laughs> so can you tell us a bit about what <laughs> It just makes everything so much easier to the point where your sentences are just a series of acronyms, right? 
So can you guys tell us about what that is? And I know, Sarah, um, Amy, we talked about how the UK was actually supposed to host it last year, but of course, COVID. So can we talk a bit about that and maybe the relationship between that and the Bahamas and then the Caribbean is a wider? Sure. So I think you you broke up a bit for me, but do you mean explain a little bit about COP? Yes. Did you say? Great. So um, the COP is Conference of the Parties. Um, which is a very indistinct term. So, you know, probably doesn't mean much to people anyway. So essentially, it's uh, a big summit that happens annually and you get together all the countries who have signed up to the UNFCCC, which is the United Nations Convention on Climate Change, another acronym. Um, but it, it's a chance to get leaders together, policymakers together, NGOs together, um, civil society, business, everyone who has a stake in climate change, which is all of us, um, to talk about what we're going to do about climate change. Um, so, you know, I mentioned, you know, before we, we joined live that, you know, most people have heard about the Paris summit that happened in 2015. And that was really where we uh, had a first time a real global commitment to reduce emissions. Um, the Glasgow summit is really, and I will steal this from another minister in the region, where the rubber hits the road. <laughs> so it's where we've made these commitments. We need to say what we've done and come forward with even more ambitious targets. So that's what we're hoping for, for Glasgow, that it'll get everybody in person to talk about, you know, how are we going to keep this level of ambition going and, and, and the commitments that people have made. So we actually yeah, do have right. a question. Oh, Sarah, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, it's also the space to talk about what's difficult. This isn't easy. This isn't simple. Some of the stuff is easy to do, and some of it we can all do. So we can make less waste, we can, you know, reduce our personal carbon emissions. And it's not actually always that simple. You know, a, um, a factory can't change overnight. You can't you know, um, replant the forest overnight that perhaps years ago you didn't realise that chopping down would be a problem. So science is also about adaptation for future ways of doing things and talking about those difficulties and making plans to overcome it. So um, I think it's a really good space to get the world together where you can share lessons. So if somebody has already worked out how to do something that you should do or and um, perhaps there's an issue which lots of people have a problem with and by talking it through they'll find a solution um sometimes i think that's part of why young people are so important in this space because actually a lot of things that the generation have done wrong they didn't know they were doing wrong they didn't know it was going to be a problem but actually they find quite a hot find it quite hard to think of a different way of doing it and actually it's newer people coming into sectors and younger people who can sometimes be that of innovation, you know, that's where the kind of new ideas can come from. And I think that's partly why the UK has been so keen to make the meeting face-to-face -face if possible, because sometimes it's by having a conversation with six or seven people um, over a coffee that you can have some of this stuff sparked, whereas, you know, formal meeting where you'll see on the internet sometimes where it's just presented, and reading their speeches isn't where you're really solving the problems. You know, it's um, trying to bring that dynamic together. And, and the UK government is working really hard to make sure that the globe is as safe as possible face to face, you know, with a bunch of um, COVID protocols and different breakout spaces and ways of making it work. So this, like, 
probably safe, but it allows that innovation, that human contact solve problems as well, so it's really important. Yeah, I definitely agree. A lot of times some of the best solutions don't come from the presentations and, and right at that meeting itself, but it's always that after time when people have a chance to have a coffee together or just, you know, after the evening's over, you had enough time to let all of your thoughts simmer. And, you know, it's it's important to to just have those types of conversations on and off record so people can get their ideas flowing. Um, but we do have a question um, from Bradley. Uh, he says, Miss Smith, thanks for talking with us today. <laughs> How do we as Bahamians learn about the options for financing and what organizations or individuals should, what should do to take the advantage of these resources? Yep, so there's there's kind of, we're trying to go on quite a big scale. So for example, you might be able to apply to the Green Climate Fund, um, which does quite big projects and they've done a couple in, in the Bahamas in the past. Um, and that really is kind of uh, on, a, on a bigger scale looking, you know, whether it be mitigation to reduce emissions or, you know, or focused on gender or focused on water or, you know, anything to do with the, the plethora of different issues that are climate related. So you can do um, applications through that and that's usually done through, through government. Um, can also work with the UN, the UN uh, FCCC, uh, they have a regional office which covers the Bahamas, which is based in Grenada. And they they do funding as well, and they've they've worked a lot on things like um, uh, measuring and, and verification of, of, of emissions. Um, there's usually uh, a lot of work around the Commonwealth. So you know, as, as a Commonwealth member, uh, the Bahamas can work with a lot of the different uh, structures within the, the Commonwealth, and the, you know, Blue Charter, um, Green Charter that's coming in. So kind of looking at, at some of those uh, options as well you know prince's trust there's usually a bit of cash around um <laughs> the uk so you know i mentioned the green climate fund so the uk is one of the the biggest funders of that we've just committed um i think it's 11.5 billion over the next five years to climate change financing so it's about 15 billion billion us dollars so that will kind of be allocated over the next five years usually through big big uh, structures so as I say, Green Climate Fund, but also uh, Caribbean Development Bank is a really important um, provider for us. Um, and we're also working with some of these to make the process easier um, because, you know, the, the Palmas doesn't have a massive population and doesn't have masses of capacity and we all hate filling in forms and it's really time consuming and it's really difficult. And you kind of think, oh, for this small amount of money, is it worth, you know, what, three days that it takes to try and fill in the form? Um, so we're trying to work to simplify that a bit. So sometimes it's not even just having the money available. It's about the really complicated process to access the money. And that's also what we're working through. So, you know, we're really open to ideas of, of how to improve that on, on all scales. So we're trying to do work around that and do feed some of those ideas you have in of, of how we can make things easier. Um, and just to sort of, uh, sorry, go on. No, no, you've finished. Um, and just to, to go to Sarah's point about the, the in-person and kind of wanting to listen to people, I just wanted to flag that youth is a really important strand for us um, and listening to, to younger people's voices. So there'll be a, uh, a Youth for Climate conference held in Milan. Um, I think that's the end of September. Um, and two uh, youth representatives from every country, including the Bahamas, will be attending in Milan to kind of really work through what they want to see happen 
and they will then get to meet ministers and present their ideas um, because actually it's having that access and that face-to-face discussion that's really important. And then immediately before COP, there's um, the um, Youngo Conference, the Youth Conference, which again, I think there's some representatives from Bahamas attending in person um, and they will present you know, their ideas there and you can feed in through your schools or universities if you want to. And again, that will go into COP itself and be discussed. And there'll be a dedicated youth day during the, the two-week programme as well. So it's something we're really conscious of, 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 you know, listening to the generation who are going to inherit all of this, <laughs> of, of what they want to see happen as well. Definitely. And I don't know, Sarah, if you had any input on maybe some things that people in the Bahamas specifically can apply for, or even just get involved with, with the British High Commission here. I know you guys did do a mangrove planting. Are there other activities that you guys will be hosting or doing or even grant opportunities or maybe a chance for Bahamians to go to some of these conferences from, you know, you guys that are happening here? Yeah, so we do have um, some small, small grant funding, very small money, you know, which is what we use to do the project with the virtual um, classroom and that kind of thing. Um, uh, so if people have got uh, good ideas, um, you know, they can get in touch with us. We do have um, an email address, which is um, uk in the Bahamas, fco.uk. Just look us on Facebook, you'll see all the details, but I'm trying to remember that now. Um, basically, if you look for UK in the Bahamas or British Commission, you'll find, you'll find us there. Um, but those projects are usually quite small scale. We usually do them with um, an established non-governmental organization that you know can handle there's always a bit of paperwork, a bit of paperwork processing and having everyone run for individuals um uh but yeah we do do we do, do smaller scale um projects and uh, we've got a few in the pipeline at the moment they'll need signing off before i can kind of announce them but i i hopefully we can carry on this conversation because actually i think i do think this is like a forever topic as well this is one of those these um, things that isn't just for COP26 and that moment where we're becoming the presidency and holding a meeting. It's actually something that we'll keep talking about. Um, you know, these. T- oh, I think we've lost Sarah. Oh, I think you're on mute. I'm muted, right? <laughs> but I <do. laughs> it's going to happen. Um, it is a forever topic. It is something where it's not just for COP26. This is every day. This is every month. Like We need to be focusing on this because we're finally in that era right, of climate change. Um, and I know we did have a follow-up question for you, Amy, about the opportunities. Do you guys have a pre-clearance mm-hmm. for organizations or individuals? Um, so, I mean, we don't. So the, the organization, the organizations that you might go for, for funding might have different prerequisites so you'd probably need to do a bit of a bit of a google on all of them um but as as um sarah was saying for kind of small smaller scale projects you know specifically in the bahamas i think speak to the high commission and they can have a chat with you about um sort of some of the prerequisites that we might have yeah and after my conversations with uh jerusa i hope i'm pronouncing her name properly she's not here with us but she definitely crucial in organizing this she's very friendly very easy to talk to so as the commissioner stated you know just shoot them an email contact them on facebook they're very interested and very ready to interact with the behemoth public that are interested in these topics um and like they said they have some small projects that are going to come on stream soon hopefully we'll find out what those are once they get clearance um but in the meantime i'm not quite sure if sarah's going to be able to hop back on 
But Amy, are there some other things that you yeah. want to discuss about, you know, some of the regional things going on? I know um, we've done mangrove planting. Are you guys doing regional efforts for mangroves in general? Um, so not we're not specifically focusing on mangroves in, you know, in every country. I mean, sort of part of the, you know, well, Sarah might be right. So so when we say, you know, we're really interested in, in projects, also we're really interested just in the projects that we might not be able to fund. So if you are thinking of doing some activity and as the U having the UK involved would be helpful, you know, hopefully when COVID improves, we can, you know, host things. I'm, I'm offering up Sarah. Um, hopefully we can host things and do receptions for you and promote and, you know, all of those things. Sometimes it's just talking about it. Um, I'm sure that Sarah throws a good, a good reception. I have no doubt. Um, those kind of things that we're, we're happy to do as well. Um, I mean, across the region, as I mentioned, we're doing, you know, we've been doing a lot of infrastructure projects. Um, so hospitals, roads, hub, you know, ports, all of those kind of things across the region. But one of the campaigns I really want to mention that we're doing uh, is, is more on the political side, which is the Global Ocean Alliance. Um, and it's one that Sarah knows I'm really passionate about. Um, and that is that we're, we're aiming to... It, everyone, you know, every country to agree to protect 30% of the world's oceans by 2030. And that's something that, you know, we, we've been sort of flying the flag for. Um, I think in the Bahamas, you've already got a commitment to 20%, um, but it would be great to kind of see that increase to, to 30%. The campaign itself, you know, it's not 30% um, of each national water. It's a global effort because, we, you know, we like to be global. Um, so, it, so you know, hopefully countries can, can feel comfortable signing up. And, you know, Sarah knows that it, it's one I'm keen on. We've just had just had Barbados sign up, Dominica, Guyana, Trinidad, Tobago. So hopefully there's a bit of a, a groundswell of support um, across. And really that, you know, you see a lot of benefits of, of protecting, you know, marine protected areas, as, as you will know better than me, um, has a lot of side benefits. So that, that's something we're, we're really championing at the moment across the region. And the other campaign we're, we're looking at is the uh, Leaders Pledge for Nature. And that's at leader level, um, making a commitment to biodiversity um, because biodiversity is just as important. You know, you were speaking on some of the other episodes about the diversity in the oceans, just as much diversity in forests, you know, wetlands, all of that. Um, and once we lose it, we lose it. So we really need everyone to, to make commitments around that as well. So that those are kind of two campaigns we've been working on across the, the whole of the Caribbean. And, and again, you know, it would be great to see the Bahamas um, there. Definitely. And I like the idea of receptions. I would love to host like a Siren Sundays themed, like some conservation theme with the UK in the Bahamas. And so we'll talk about that. We'll definitely... We'll definitely have you should, you should do it. We, we love a reception. Yeah, <laughs> um, again, Sarah, I'm sorry for offering you up, but we, <laughs> we, we enjoy doing it. It's kind of our bread and butter. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. I, I definitely remember being in the UK, tea time, you know, just that gathering with just some small biscuits and some tea, coffee, even just the wine. It definitely is beneficial. And I know one of the things that I'm definitely keen on doing is like, creating you know this a more collaboration in the bahamas with these conservation ngos i know a lot of us we get together for projects then the project's over and then we all kind of go back to working on our silos so stay tuned for that this the breaking of the silos by the siren but i would be happy to have a reception <laughs> at the uk high commission when COVID, of course you know once our cases get back down so this is definitely interesting but sarah can you tell us a little bit about 
some of the other things I know, um, Amy just talked about some of the regional projects. Are there any of those that we're also doing? Yeah, sorry, I've got connection problems today, so I I missed a bit of it. But um, uh, we do talk um, uh, we do talk regularly, so I've, I've probably got a good idea of what Amy was talking mm -hmm. about. Um, I mean, there's so much in this that you can do um, that involves all kinds of different sectors. One thing that Amy and I have been talking about is how banks and the financial services sector are involved and how banks can choose to invest in eco-friendly, climate-positive projects and how banks can make sure that if they're lending money to people that they have taken the um, uh, environment into account. And, and there is a thing called the Net Zero Banking Alliance where the banks are working together as members of this alliance to make sure that how they invest and how they lend money and how they support projects is in a pro-environment, climate-friendly way. And, um, you know, there's uh, work around that. We've, you know, we've been talking to the clearing banks here about how they might build that in. Ultimately, it was it is for the investors to decide what they want to invest in. So there's a bigger piece out there. It's not just the banks, but also the people who are investing in projects and the people who are carrying them out, whether it be big infrastructure projects or, you know, um, where how you might do buildings uh, and how environmentally friendly they might be. But if everybody's talking about this and everybody's asking the questions, it should make people pause for thought, think about how they're doing things and then hopefully make sure that we're all contributing at every level of um, activity in our society. Um, so I think that's, I think that's um, you know, a really positive um, sector here. The financial services sector is, you know, strong. That it, it's where a lot of the intelligent minds are working on various issues um, around wealth management and around investment. So, so talking to them about that has been, has been um, interesting and we're hoping to do some more uh, conversations with um, the banking sector going forwards. Um, uh, so that's really interesting. And then the other thing, I, I mean, we've mentioned it more than once, but working with schools and young people, um, I see that in the chat, um, Lino um, uh, is online and we've been talking to him about um, science and perspectives and how they work in education. Because a lot of this, I don't know if it was the same for you guys, but when I was at school, this wasn't really talked about. I mean, there was maybe a bit, but not, not in any meaningful way. And we didn't manage our waste well, and we didn't live a, a carbon-friendly life, and we didn't think about the plastic packaging or, you know, any of that. It just wasn't talked about when I was growing up. And now, if kids are understanding the problems and how they can interact with nature in a more positive way, it'll make a huge difference. You know, those of us who are a bit older, we're kind of all learning this secondhand almost as, as, um, as adults, but actually getting the young people doing it from day one so that it's not a problem for them when they get older, they have to change their ways because they're already in good practices. I think it's really, really important. So working with, with different organizations, um, uh, whether it be Brief, uh, Lino, um, uh, the BNT or whoever, I think we're going to carry on doing that throughout our time as a high commission because it's really cool. And then on, on kind of parties and gatherings, I mean, we joked a bit, but actually it goes back to what I was saying before, which is it's when people get together that the solutions are found. It's usually by comparing notes that you do that. And if you can do that with a cup of tea or a glass of wine in your hand, well, you know, um, it's even better because we're social people, right? We're social animals. Uh, we're part of the ecosystem too. And that's part of the way that we get together. So um, yes, once the, the rules let us do that, we definitely would like to, would like to be doing more of that here. 
And I would like to clarify. <laughs> yeah, so and I do want to clarify for our viewers, um, Sarah, just to be clear, which, oh, that's so redundant. I'm so, so sorry. That's awful English. <laughs> but right, so this is not only geared towards um, marine, this is terrestrial, but some of the youth um, work that you guys are doing is more than just the environment as well, correct? Yeah, that's right. So um, uh, we do a we do a variety of different things. So as a as a an embassy, I mean, we're called a high commission, which I know confuses people, but it's basically an embassy. It's just that this is a Commonwealth country. So in Commonwealth countries, you know, um, embassies are are known as high commissions. We do we do a bit of everything really. So environment is is definitely one of the things we do. We do uh, trade and economic issues. Um, we talk about um, big policy issues, whatever whatever might be happening uh, in the world at the time. So it does change a lot. Um, but, you know, uh, scientific issues, we talk about scientific research um, together. We talk about law enforcement and security. Um, we talk about things like hurricane preparedness and disaster control. Um, I always talk about the neighbourhood in that context. You know, your nearest neighbours um, may not be able to help. So maybe the UK would be involved in um, you know um, hurricane work, you've got Turks and Caicos, which is a British overseas territory, uh, Cayman, places like that in the neighbourhood. So working together on these things as the UK with the Bahamas is really, really important. Um, and then we do general, um, we do general stuff like education and health cooperation where it's needed. Um, so yeah, as, a, as an as an embassy, as a high commission, we do we do a whole raft of different things. Um, uh, one thing that sometimes frustrates people is we don't issue passports and we don't issue visas so um all of that's done overseas but it does mean we get asked a lot of questions about it because usually people think of us and they think of um, visas and passports so that's one area where we try our best to let people know what's going on but actually um the passport agency issues passports in the uk and the visa people issue pass uh, visas in the uk and there's some process around that that people always ask us but actually, I've never, I've never issued a visa or a passport in my life. So usually, I'm trying to find out myself the answer to the question. But I know that that sometimes people think that we do that because um, many years ago, um, the British High Commission that was here uh, 15 years ago would have done some of that work. We just in the modern world, it's all online. It's all on the internet nowadays. So um, yeah, it's a, a bit less of that that goes on. And then another thing we do, uh, or at least when COVID lets us, is we try and bring people together because one of the best ways to know each other is to meet each other. So trying to bring British people together with Bahamians um, and getting getting to know each other and what our countries are like in the modern world is is also something that we try and do um, when it's possible. Sometimes through podcasts like this, right, Ashanti, as you know, <laughs> it's a good way you know, to, do, to do it as any. Definitely. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely excited to see um, collaborations getting better and stronger in the future as we move away from COVID. Um, I'm excited to, to hopefully get out of this pandemic one day. Um, but I know we do have one more question in the audience from Dr. Davis. Have you guys done any bird work? I know he's particularly keen on birds. So, <laughs> um, so locally, the only thing that, that I can think of that would be bird related is when we did a photograph competition you know the photograph could be of anything um and um uh, to do with nature-based solutions so there were some people that photographed a variety of different things but um 
I, I, I tell you, I don't know an awful lot about the birds of the Bahamas, so maybe uh, Dr. Davis and I can have a chat about this. I don't know if, Amy, you've done some more regional stuff mm -hmm. around kind of um, birds, uh, birds, but I know that here I did visit um, the Leon Levy Nature Preserve mm -hmm. on Eleuthera, mm -hmm. and they've... Um, They've got really interesting habitats and a viewing platform where you can, you're at kind of treetop level and you can mm -hmm. see the birds uh, a bit more easily. And that was um, an experience I had. Um, also, um, just near to New Providence, there's an island um, with a um, place you can visit called Blue Lagoon. And on there, you can do a bird tour as well. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing quite a lot of birds when I was doing the, the bird tour um, uh, on Blue Lagoon. So that was that was interesting, but I must admit, it's not it's not something we've done an awful lot of so far. It's more that's more on a kind of personal level. Um, mm -hmm. But Amy, I don't know if there's anything more regional to do with birds that you've looked at. Yes, it's sadly not that I'm aware of. And and like you, I've been admiring the birds in Barbados and kind of wondering what more we can do because they they're all pretty cool. Um, I think mainly it's been around the, the nature-based solutions and leaders' pledge for nature. So the sort of push we have on biodiversity more broadly that we're we're doing rather than anything more specific on on birds. Um, oh, but, there but, is. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. But I was just going to say, as Sarah says, you know, it sounds super interesting. So you know, if you if you have thoughts, we'd be really up for it. I know Birds Caribbean is a pretty well established, um, and I, I'm sure. Dr. Davis can talk a bit more about that, but they they are an organization or maybe, I don't know if organization is the right word, but Birds Caribbean does focus on the birds around the region and, and birds are very significant and even with things like climate change because they're the ones that move the easiest, right? So they move based on weather. Of course, you know, we always hear the fly south for the winter because they're running away from the winter, but um, climate change migration is very real in animals and will become even more real for people as we will start to see in the next couple of decades, but hopefully we can mitigate that and adapt to that as we've talked about in this conversation as well. Um, and I don't wanna hold you guys too long and we're just coming up on 50 minutes. Uh, to take it a bit back to the marine side of things, I do have a question for each of you. Uh, we can let Amy go first and Sarah, you can close us out with this, but what is your favorite sea creature and why? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, and, and as a diplomat, I don't think we should pick, should we? Um, don't want to offend the uh, ocean population. I mean, um, so I grew up by the sea. I grew up in uh, Folkestone where I used to sort of see all the fish about, uh, all the uh, fishermen come in with, with their all. I mean, I, th I think it is really hard to tell. I mean, I will, I will simply say that I recently uh, did a bit of snorkeling with turtles. Um, which was pretty magical in in Barbados. So um, so that was a magical experience, but I wouldn't like to pick specifically uh, a creature. And we'll hand over to Sarah to see if she's a, a bit more uh, upfront than I am. <laughs> yeah, I've got less trouble picking. Can I have a top three? Um, I'm going to have top three. Um, the green, is it called the green sea turtle? Mm -hmm. I think it's called the green sea turtle. It's so beautiful, and it's so I love the way it feeds kind of slowly on the sea grass, and it looks like one of those kind of ancient um, uh, beasts from that must have been in the ocean. I don't know anything about turtles really, but I just love them because I think they're so um, just so lovely. And then, okay, so my second would probably be the nurse sharks because sharks have a bit of a bad reputation, and nurse sharks help. Um, people understand that sharks are not necessarily something you need to be afraid of. They're kind of like the intro to sharks. 
um, where you can kind of learn a bit more about how um, you know uh, sharks contribute to the um, cycle of life and um, you know I just think I think they're they're really beautiful and then I haven't been able to see them but um, there is um, there are kind of seahorses and there's a pond I think especially in the Bahamas it's being protected um, uh, where seahorses kind of there's a, like a nursery and um, uh, so I've got a bit of a, an idea that I'd like to at some point learn more about the seahorses I think they're amazing because they're so small and so beautiful and so like almost like an alien creature don't you think in some ways the, the way they've evolved which just I mean for me goes to show some of the diversity of marine life so um, I've probably forgotten something else that I like as well, but those those would be my top three that come immediately to mind. So I'm being less diplomatic. You know, <laughs> sometimes you gotta you gotta you gotta put your chips down and <laughs> make a choice. And those would be mine, I think. Um, but I the best thing about the Bahamas, right, is there's so much to see under the water. It's just it just uh, that's partly why we help fund the underwater book, um, which Brief have been selling for charity because. Um, uh, there's just it's just this incredible diversity under the sea. Definitely, both great answers. That definitely is a theme with the turtles, and it's okay, Amy. You can always switch for the next show or just another day. And uh, I've been so thankful to have this opportunity to speak with you guys. I definitely look forward to continuing this conversation again, maybe on a follow-up episode or maybe something in person um, when we have tea. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and thank you guys, all the viewers for watching, uh, for riding another wave with us on Siren Sundays. Thank you so much to our guests. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Awesome. And so I will... No problem. Thank you for having us. Really appreciate it. And I'm so sorry my uh, connection has been so dodgy today. <laughs> yeah, it's... Welcome. <laughs> all right, well, thank you guys so much. And I will see you guys next week. Always yours, Lashanti the Siren.